Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's Phil Gothier again, bringing you another Guy Watch podcast. And uh, one of the things that happened this last week is we set up a Twitter account. So now you can stay in touch with us there. It's going to be God Watch Live is our Twitter handle, name, whatever you call it. I'm still trying to get the feel of Twitter and figure out how to use it. So come on over and join us on Twitter and uh, you can laugh at how well I don't know how to use it. Other than that, one thing that we had going this week was we have a wonderful podcast. Um, we were fortunate enough that Westchester E-Free in uh, Des Moines opened up their doors for us and let us use one of their rooms. And so I could sit down with a gentleman. His name is, he's a pastor. Uh, his name is Kent Wagner. And he served as a missionary back and forth uh, to Eastern Europe for quite some time. And I think his story is just amazing, and I think you'll you'll find it pretty interesting. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Kent Wagner. Pastor Kent, thanks for coming by today. How are you? It's great to see you again, Phil. And I'm great. It's a beautiful spring day. And I'm delighted to talk to you today. It is beautiful. It's it's amazing what Iowa can do. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Sometimes it whacks you in April with this big snow, snowstorm, but it's not doing that right now. No, the, it's sunny and 70. You can't beat that. Nice warm breezes Ca- out there, and the flowers are popping out of the ground. It's beautiful. It's California weather. There you go. So, okay. Well, uh, I know that we have a little bit in common because you have a radio program and it's called What in the World Is God Doing, correct? That's it. And we produce it in the same studio. Okay, so, good. So, you know, I think that uh, it's kind of a, a neat thing, and you've allowed me to come and, and speak on your show, and I asked you if you could do me a favor and come and be on mine, and you graciously allowed me to do you that. You know, and I'm glad to do that. And if I could, I could, if I could ask you for just a little favor right now, can I plug my radio program, the time and the station? You, and you can do it now. You can do it... Uh, at the end, you can do it in the middle. Go okay. ahead, whatever well, you like. Let's hit it yeah, right now. Do it. Um, the program is called "What in the World Is God Doing?" It's at eleven o'clock on Saturday mornings on Praise Radio nine forty a.m. And that's most of Central Iowa can it's get really, that. Yeah, correct. but mostly Central Iowa can get so, that. Yeah. And then, uh, are you going to let me come back on again? Oh, absolutely. All right. Then you can yeah. you can plug it as many times because after want. we're done today, you're going to owe me. So I'll be happy <laughs> to have you on. <laughs> I guess so, I really owe you right now. So. No, you're good. But uh, yeah, and so I just think I don't know that much about you. I know that uh, you were pastor of a church for a long time, mm-hmm. and then uh, that you have been traveling back and forth to Europe working with missionary groups, right? I, 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 my wife and I actually work with missionaries. Okay. And we are, in, we are uh, working in staff care in Romania for uh, missionaries who serve with our mission, which is International Messengers, right out of Clear Lake, Iowa, just two hours up the road from Des Moines. And we have some 17 or 18 missionary families in Romania, serving all across Romania. And we visit them about three times a year. So now, how did you settle on Romania? Well, it, it really started uh, 27 years ago when uh, the church I was serving at that time in St. Louis had an opportunity to send a small group into Eastern Europe to do, because the wall had come down, at, by, by the end of 1989, uh, the wall was down in Europe. And now Eastern Europe was open to visitation, to people coming in, to Bibles coming in, to the Christian witness coming in. So we uh, met a missionary who said, I'll take you into Romania. And so we went in the summer of 1990 for two weeks. And while we were in Romania for those two weeks, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait for the first time. And so while we were there, the world was just set ablaze, I'll tell you what. Wow. It was pretty exciting for us to be that close to to where all of that was going. And so we were there for two weeks, and we did evangelism on the streets, and we preached in churches. We saw a lot of people pray and make commitments to Christ. We realized that not all of those commitments were genuine or real, but what we also knew was that some of those were real. 
And the man who led us in, who was a missionary in Europe with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ at the time, said, if, and he was a single man, he was 28, and he said to the guys in our team, he said, if you guys will support me, I'll come back here and try to make a church out of this. And so we did, and he did. We supported him, and he came back uh, about two months later in the fall of uh, 1990, and he began to meet with people whom we'd met on the streets, people who prayed to receive Christ. He contacted them, he did follow up. And by, the, by June of 1991, a little church in the city of Craiova, Romania began to hold public worship services. And that was the beginning of, of our involvement. And I've gone almost literally every year since then. I've been to Romania now 38 times. Wow over the course of these, and we always go to the city of Craiova, which is a city about the size of Des Moines. It's in southwest Romania. It's in a very poor part, in, in many ways, a kind of a backward part of Romania, a, a place that's really hard to reach with the gospel, a place that's steeped in a lot of tradition in the Orthodox Church and a lot of superstition. Uh, I meet people in other parts of Romania and say, oh yeah, Craiova, that's where there's a lot of witchcraft in Craiova. That's one of the first things somebody said to me huh. once. So there's, there's a great need, there's a, but the point is there's a lot of spiritual darkness in that part of the country. It's in the southern part of Romania, and in that part of Romania, less than two-tenths of one percent of the population are considered to be evangelical Christian. Because that's such a tiny percentage, that's considered to be unreached still with huh. the gospel. So now, your first visit there, were most people there Orthodox? Yes, okay. uh -huh. they, con they considered themselves or or Orthodox. About 80% of okay. Romanians consider themselves to be Orthodox. Yeah. So they know Jesus' story, that's, I mean. They know the name of Jesus. It's really interesting, Phil, because most of them do not own a Bible. Almost all of them have never read the Bible for themselves. And if you ask them why Jesus came to earth, most of them could not tell you. Really? That, that he came to die on the cross and be raised from the dead to become the savior of all of those who would believe. Most of them could not say that. Wow. And yeah. so what do you guys use as a, I mean, when you initially start, what's your foot in the door? I mean, how do you, how are you approaching these people and saying, you know, that's one of the things that I've always struggled with. How do you walk up to somebody and say, hey, I know a plan that might be better. I know, I you know. know and, 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 and these people already know Jesus' name. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so they, so how, how are you presenting this to them? Well, in the, it's, it's, it's morphed, it's changed over the years because early on, most of them had also never met or seen an American. So when we came to town in, the, in July of 1990, we were a novelty. And, <laughs> and people wanted to meet us and we'd go into parks and people would come and they'd just stand around. And, uh, and they just want to hear what we had to say. So we'd preach or we'd, we'd open up Bibles, we'd share the four spiritual laws with people, and they just wanted to hear what these Americans had to say. On that occasion, that first year or two or three, the entree, the, the, the opening point, was the fact that we were Americans and people wanted to talk to us. They wanted to know what we, why did you come here? What, what do you have to say to us? What, what do you want to tell us? And we talk openly about Jesus. It was not unusual to preach on the streets or in a park, and, and obviously I'm preaching through a translator, but people would come and they'd stand around, they'd want to hear what was going on. And sometimes they'd want to talk about a relationship with Christ afterwards. Since then, it's different. So now we depend a, a lot, and now, now, 27 years later, we depend entirely upon relationships, and it's really that way all over the world, that, that the gospel travels over relationships uh, into the hearts of people. So it's a matter of, of knowing someone and being known by them and being able to share the good news in whatever context God provides at that time. You know, and I think that that, in a, in a mission field outside of the comforts of the United States, I think that that is, uh, a really good way, but I think sometimes we lose that in country. Yeah. You know, I think that that's one of the ways that I found is the best way for me to be able to explain to people my faith is through those relationships. Yeah. You know, and once you have that relationship built, 
you can say things that may be a little more risque. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think to, to people I know who live uh, lives that are not uh, of faith, and I've known them well enough mm -hmm. that I can say, Here, here's what I think, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Or I don't understand your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Can you explain it to me? And then, you know, they know where I'm coming from, and I'll give them a little bit, and, you know, I'm not going to change somebody overnight, but you know what? That relationship is built, and mm -hmm. if I can, my feelings have always been, if I can present myself in a way that is upstanding and they want to know what is different, they'll know what's different yeah. because we have that relationship built. So I think, I think that that's fantastic. I think it's really neat. You know, you know, the relationship is about, often it's about earning the right to be heard. That's what I hear you saying. That's well, a great way to put it. Yeah, it's earning the right to be heard. You're listening, you're sharing in life together. And at some point, to have an opportunity to share your own story. Yeah. Well, this is who I am, this is where I've been, and be able to tell how at some point you were not a Christian at one part in your life. For most of my life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, people are interested in that. And yeah. people, people, you know, Phil, one of the things I love about you is just your transparency yeah. and, and your amazing openness. And, and you, always, you know, when you talk about this, there's a, there's a light in your eye, there's a smile on your face, and it's very, very real for you, and it's, it's uh -huh. winsome, it's attractive. You know, it, maybe we should start doing video podcasts and everybody can see the light in my eye. But I, <laughs> I don't know if this face is set up. I think I, think, I, think I should stick to audio. But uh, you know, I, I was told too that I have a perfect face for radio. I've, I've been told that. <laughs> <laughs> Two handsome men sitting yeah, in church. There you go. So, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I think back. You know, talking about those relationships, I have a, a gentleman that's a designer that I do a lot of work for. Who um, he's in his sixties and he is uh, out there homosexual. You know what I mean? And he's he's gay. Uh, I've worked with him for. 10 or 15 years. We speak openly about anything, I mean, to the point where if you walked in on our conversation, you would think that I was probably super offensive. But that relationship that we've built, we know where we meet each other at. And, you know, and I know his background and where he's come from, and he knows where I come from, and, and we don't always see eye to eye, but we can have that relationship and still be okay with it. I remember we were doing a job and thing is, the funny thing is we do our biggest jobs together. When we do remodel projects uh, for, for the construction company, um, we, we work hand in hand in, in these things. He does all the design work, I do all the construction. And uh, I remember we were, <laughs> we were at these people's house and we were doing a really large remodel for them. And I mean, we were there for three and a half months. And the, the lady kept spending all this money and the guy was getting mad and so she would want to go shopping. So this gentleman would come, pick her up and they would leave. And they would always come back, have spent his money, making way more work for me. And I remember we were standing at the window and we watched him pull out and uh, I said something, oh, it was uh, something about his his wife and my work wife or something, you know, I mean, something kind of that maybe would have come off as derogatory. And that guy kind of snapped at me. You can't say that. And I was like, like, I, I would say that if he was here and he came back and I said something along the same lines and he just laughed and, you know, and it just, it smoothed over. And I just, I think that sometimes people don't understand how important those relationships are because when, when I met him, he was adamantly opposed to people of Christian faith. Yeah. And with our relationship being built, I can tell him about the show that I do, about the mission trips I do, about these things. In fact, he wanted to come with me on a Central American mission trip. Wow. And I kind of explained some things to him and he's got some health, you know, he's uh, pushing 60 mm -hmm. um, and he's got some health things that might struggle in the heat. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, listen, there's no air conditioning. Here's what it is. He was like, nope, I'm good. But this man who has, who has felt persecuted, maybe rightly, you know, as Christians, we don't always present ourselves in the best manner. But, you know, I think that the most important thing that we're supposed to do is love. And, and he opened his mind enough that he said, I will go on a Christian mission trip and go and serve people.
And you would have never seen that out of him oh, no. 15, 20 years ago, oh, but it was because we built that relationship and we had time together and you know, it's been impactful for both of us. It's changed, his relationship has changed my heart and I'm sure that, that mine has, has changed his as well. You know, so. I, you know, I can only imagine that that's true. And what he sensed from you is love. Isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I he's mean, he sensed that you care about him as a person. You know, and, and I think back to to my younger days, I, I was far more. I don't know if legalistic is the word for it, but you know, that's wrong. You know, I mean, I think that people coming into their faith young, it, it's easy. The Bible says this, do mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I was listening to a sermon today, and it was talking about how there was. 631 laws or 630 some laws in the Bible and then when they asked Jesus you know what's the most important law you know he said the um, you know love God with all your heart all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself and then later before he was crucified you know they said you know what should we do and he you know pretty much said love love people as I've loved you. I can, man, I wish I could remember mm -hmm. verbatim what it was, but yeah, yeah. you know, he, he took it from 360 or 630 some laws mm -hmm. to one. Yeah, he did. Love, love people like I've loved you. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. and, and I think if we focus on that, what, uh, who can't be reached and mm -hmm. at, at minimum who can't be loved, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. You know, this is maybe a good point for me to jump in and say, yeah, you know, the Bible says that we, we have all sinned, all, all of us, every one of us. The statistics are in, Phil, it's 100%. <laughs> we have all sinned and, and we all fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ has come to die for all of our sins. It doesn't matter the label that we put on that sin. He's come to die for all of our sins. In fact, the Bible says that that, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this because it's, it's a great verse um, from, from Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't have to clean ourselves up, make ourselves worthy before he died for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. That's yeah. a great message. The world needs to hear that. Yeah. You know, you know and... and Sometimes I think people have that idea that, well, you're a Christian, you go to church, you must have it together, you know, and I can't, I heard somebody one time say a church is like a hospital ward, you know, it's, it's all broken people just trying to get fixed. Amen. So, Amen. And that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's good. That's but yeah, well, I kind of got sidetracked a little bit. <laughs> it's okay. So, so now you've been going to Romania for 30 some years? 30? Well, 20, 20, 27 years. 27, okay. And uh, 38 times over 27 okay. years. And, and uh, we, we, now we care for missionaries over there. We always go back to the city of Cryova, to that church that we helped to start 27 years ago. So now is that original missionary? Is he still there? No, he's not still there, okay. but the church is there. And today they have their own building, which Americans helped them to build. And they have their own pastor, and the pastor is Romanian now. Nice. So it's a Romanian church, and we're very excited about that. Yeah. And so, when you go down there, what are you what are you doing with the people in the field? I mean, okay. what are you are you instructing them, teaching them, loving on them? What do you What do you? We're do? basically there to care for them, okay. which means we come in, we we talk to them. Mostly, we listen. We listen to them. We are considered to be safe people. We're not, we're not in administration, we're not their bosses, we're their servants. And so they can say anything they want to us. And uh, one of, the, one of the, the facts that's very true about mission work is that it's, a, it's one of the loneliest jobs in the world. There's a lot of isolation, just physically with mission work, but there's a little loneliness because sometimes relationships are hard. And, uh, and so we're there to relate to them, to love on them, to care for them. It's hoped that because of our involvement with missionaries, they'll actually stay longer on the field and overcome some of the barriers to longevity that missionaries run into continually and we'll help them work through those things. Sometimes we do offer counseling. If there's specific things we, we talked, if there's resources that we can help them tap into, we do that. So whatever we can do to love them and care for them, it's what we want to do. So now have your trips just kind of evolved into this? I mean, originally you went and you were, you were 
preaching and trying to trying to make disciples and trying to spread the word, and then you you just worked your way. Well, this, evol this, it evolved was, into this, or how did was, that happen? Well, there was a point when this really began, and uh, and it was when in April of of 2014 I retired from the pastoral ministry here in the States. I'd been a, a pastor here in the States for 41 years. And when I retired from that, then I, I uh, became uh, part-time staff with this mission out of Clear Lake, Iowa. It's called International Messengers. And uh, that's when I took on this role, this special role in Romania. So it changed three years ago pretty, pretty dramatically. Huh, that's pretty neat. So now do they have international messengers? Do they have missionaries everywhere, or they yeah, focus yeah. on one certain area? No, well, they're, they're mostly, most of their missionaries are in Eastern Europe, but they have missionaries in Western Europe, in Asia, in South America, and uh, really around the world. But most of them are in Eastern Europe. Poland, Romania, and Ukraine, uh, uh, Slovakia, Hungary, these are where most of their missionaries are. So now are most of those areas considered unchurched? Yes, they really are. There, there are churches there, but the but the the evangelical churches are in a vast minority. Uh, for example, in Poland today, about ninety nine percent of the, the the Polish population is is nominally Catholic, and there are there are so few evangelical churches in the country that they barely show up in, in terms of a percentage. That's wow. how small, that's how small it is. I mean, you think of, at least in my mind, I think of Europe and I think it's like America, but a little older. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I don't think of it quite as, as untouched as some of the areas in Central and South America or Asia yeah. or these places. Yeah. And so I, th I think it's kind of neat that, that you can share that with us. and. You know, is it, I mean, so when you get off the plane there, you get there, is it like America but different? Or is it really third world? I mean, is it, what's the, what's the environment like? You know, it's a little of both. And it's a great question you're asking. If you get off the, if you get off the plane in Germany, for example, it's like you're in America. Yeah. Because that's, the German standard of living is at least as high as ours here in this country. But if you get off the plane in Bucharest, Romania, it's, more like third world. It's it's Romania, for example, is a very poor country, and it's it's stayed poor. It was made poor by the communists uh, from the early 1950s right up to 1989. They just took advantage of that country like crazy and basically just stripped the country of its wealth. And today, Romania is a very poor country, and it's hard. It's been very hard for that to change. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of products, a lot of materialism has come in from the West, but the income of the people, while prices have gone up a lot, the income of the people has not really gone up that much. And so in almost every family, both husband and wife have to work. And that quality of life has, has gone down. Yeah, actually, actually it has. It's become expensive to live there. Um, they would say, you know, they have some newer things and, and the country's a little nicer, but it's, it's hard for the average person to make it month to month there. That's how poor the country is. That's, that's a shame. <laughs> it is, it, it totally is a shame, in fact. And, and you know, I think that it's neat. You've been going back to the same place for so long that you've probably seen the evolution yes. of all, you know. Yeah. You show up one time, there's nothing. You show up the next time, and there's a Kentucky Fried Chicken or something. Yeah, you know, exactly. No, that's true. <laughs> you, you know, the first summer that we went, uh, you could not you could not buy a Coca Cola. You could not buy a red can of Coca Cola anywhere in the country. If you went to a hotel, you could order a Coke, and they would bring out something brown in a glass that they said was Coca Cola, and it might have been or not. But you couldn't have bought a red can of Coca Cola anywhere in that country in 1990. And today you can buy it anywhere. So, so there's that kind of, and there's McDonald's now. You know, there's 20 some McDonald's in the city of Bucharest, for example. Yeah. But, uh, but, so, so there is change that way, and they like that. They like that a lot. One of the things that's still interesting in Romania is they they still love Americans there, and they love the American way of life. And a lot of them, especially the younger ones want to come to America someday. They want to migrate here if they can do that. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's interesting. You know, I think that, you know, I, I'm a little biased, you know. I'm, 
I'm American, you know, and, and I, you know, I think that it's fortunate that, you know, when we can get people here, good people who want to pursue that American dream. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, I hate when I hear, well, the American dream isn't, isn't reachable. I mean, I feel that it depends on what, I guess it depends on what you want. If you want a hundred million dollars in your bank account, that's probably not reachable by everybody. But you know what? To be responsible for yourself, to be self-sufficient, to start a business, to raise a family, to own a house, to do the freedoms that we have that when you travel outside, you don't have. You know, I mean, even land ownership, you know, you think about it. There's so many countries that I've visited, you can't own land. You know, you might be able to rent it from the government for 20, 30 years, but you don't own it. You know, at least here I can buy, I can buy a parcel of land and give it to my kids and they can give it to theirs and that's ours. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and, that's, and I think that is what some people don't understand about why people want to come here for the freedoms that we have. Yeah. You know, I, I, think that it's, I think that it's neat when you see people who are so inclined to want to visit too. Oh yeah, no, it's fabulous. And you know, we almost, even though we've been to Romania a lot over the years, every time we land in this country, we go through customs, we feel like getting on our hands and knees and kissing the soil of America. We are so blessed here. And, and you know, really, that, and that's, that's created, it's not, it creates not only opportunity, but it also implies a tremendous responsibility too. Yeah. To share our goods, to share our resources, to share our love with people who are in other countries. We have a lot to give here. We have a lot that we can share, and we need to be doing that. Yeah, it's, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, I think one of the neat things you mentioned or touched on before was that uh, you were a pastor for 40 some years. And, you know, I think that that gives you a pretty unique ability to communicate the Bible. You know, I know that I'm not trained in any sort of pastoral degree. I don't, you know, nothing, nothing like that. You know, I've done, I've gone through some studies at a church, but that's, you know, the extent of it, you know, and, and for me, I know what the word says. I know, you know, bits and pieces of it. Are you going to be able to stump me? Yeah, you will most every time. But I know what God does in my life. But I think that having that background, you know, 40 years of being in the word, producing sermons, doing these things, I think that that gives you an amazing ability to be able to you know, like we're sitting here talking and you just open up to Romans and you're like, here's a verse for you. You know, I'm like, I think somewhere in the Bible it says something like this, you know, and <laughs> I, think that, I think that that's neat. And I, and I wish that hopefully in time I can, I can grow in that way. But um, as being a pastor, what was that like? You know, you've kind of stepped away now, so you don't have to keep the congregation happy. Mm -hmm. You can, you can right. give us the real truth, right? Right. Well, actually, it's a great privilege to be a pastor. It yeah. really is a great privilege. And, and one of the great things about being a pastor is that there are, generally speaking, this is true, there are wonderful people in every church. Yeah. These are people who know the Lord, who love the Lord, who sacrificially serve Him, who sacrificially give so that church can keep its doors open. And I know that. And one of the great privileges for me as a pastor was just to know these people, to love them, and to share ministry with them, to lead them, to hopefully serve the Lord in some new ways and, and, uh, and uh, help them to grow spiritually. But it was a wonderful privilege, just a wonderful privilege. And I, I'm continually thankful for that. So now we talked, a, talked real briefly before we kind of fired this thing up. And uh, you, you preached in the town that I graduated from. And, and on the episode before this one, actually the, the guy that we interviewed just graduated from, from Johnston as well. And uh, it was kind of neat how, how paths cross because it turned out I did construction when I was young on your building. And so, I mean, it's just, it's interesting to me how that all comes into play and how small the world can, can really be. And you ended up knowing who my boss was and, and all of these people. So you were, you were in Johnston at the E-Free Church there mm -hmm. before you retired. Yes. Where were you at before that? Before that, I was in St. Louis, Missouri, where we, we started a new church. We planted a new church down there. 
and that church uh, grew to the place where we had three of us on staff and at that point I felt free to leave and I got the call to come here to Johnston some uh, in in 97 and so we, we, so we came here and and uh, uh, and you know we had a wonderful ministry here the Lord is really gracious to us and well, one of the things that's thrilled me about that ministry is that uh, regularly we saw people go out from our congregation to uh, serve the Lord in some of the mission fields of the world. We saw people go to Romania, to China, to Brazil, and other countries uh, because of going on short-term mission trips with us mm -hmm. and having, having their, their, their mind and their heart expanded for what God wants to do, what He is doing in the world in bringing the gospel of His love uh, to people who don't know Him at all. You know, and I think that that's, I think that's neat. I think that says a lot for the church and the leadership, you know, I mean, because you, most people aren't going to take the initiative to line up a trip. You know, usually the church kind of helps out a little bit. Hey, we're going to be going to this place. Let's put together some people. And I think that that's neat because I see a lot of, a lot of churches around who don't do that, you know, that don't have the opportunities to allow their people to kind of spread their wings and experience God in a different way, other than on a Sunday morning or maybe you know a Wednesday night study, um, I, but I think you get so much more out of those, and it's the church function has so much to do with it. And I think I think that that comes back to you a lot, the leadership and the staff that you've put into place to to make that happen, um, you know. And, and I think that one of the things that has been interesting to me and with the podcast, I've gone and talked to a lot of churches. And it's, you know, I'm in the Des Moines metro. I go to some of the larger churches and say, hey, here's what I do. I'd love to spend some time with you and explain what we're doing and try to get that relationship built with them. And I get a lot of doors slammed in my face, which is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these people are doing all sorts of stuff, you know, and I'm kind of an extra. I'm not searching for anything financial. I just want to build those relationships and meet those people and, you know, grow the, grow the show, you know. And recently, last week, I worked out of town in some smaller towns in southern Iowa. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go visit some of these churches down here. And I thought it would kind of be like, what happens here? I go in, I'm there for three, four minutes, I'm out. No, these people really showed interest. They wanted to talk. They brought up the website. They did all these things. And I felt so positive when I left because, you know, I mean, you, I've done sales before. You know, I mean, in owning your own business, you got to sell some stuff. You get used to people telling you no. But, you know, it starts to wear on me. And, uh, you know, and it was kind of revitalizing and recharging to have these people really want to know what I'm doing because I think that sometimes in those smaller communities, they don't always have the opportunity to allow their congregation to experience God in different ways, you know. Yeah, that's great. So That's wonderful. Yeah. Now, uh, you were telling me that you just got back from Europe, though, yes. right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so now, did you go back to Romania? What were you, what were you doing over there? Well, we actually, we went for two reasons. We were having a, our annual staff conference, which was in Hungary this year. So we actually met our Romanian missionaries in Hungary at the, at the conference. But before we went to Hungary, we stopped in Germany. We stopped in the city of Stuttgart. And we visited a church in the suburbs, just outside of Stuttgart, that is, <clears throat> has found itself uh, beginning about 20 months ago when immigrants were flowing into Germany. This church found itself in the middle of an area where immigrants were being settled. And so this particular church, it's, it's uh, not, a, not a Lutheran church, it's an independent church. It, uh, it said, you know, let's open our doors to the immigrants. Let's provide opportunity for them to meet in our building on a weekly basis. Let's invite them to our Sunday services. And 20 months ago, that's what they began to do. And so we were there on a weekend and, uh, in March, and we stayed with a, a doctor and his wife uh, who had invited us to come and see what was going on there. 
And we were amazed because um, we met people from Egypt, from Syria, from Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan, and I'm sure from some other countries as well, who, who, were, who were immigrants who'd come into Germany, they were looking for a new life. And Ma mainly Muslims from the Middle East? Yes, Is that yes. kind of their foundation? The, the people that we met were, I think, I could say 100% Muslim in, their, in terms of their background. And, uh, and we saw that this church, for example, the church had opened its, opens up its basement, and they create what they call a tea room down there on Friday afternoons and Saturday afternoons. And they invite them, the immigrants to come. All of the refreshments uh, are free. But the idea is come and have conversation. Meet the people in our church. Meet the people in our community here. Establish relationships with them. Feel love, feel welcome from the people who are native Germans. And this church is doing it. It's an amazing thing. And, and several things have come out of this. One is that the people who come on Fridays and Saturday, Friday and Saturday afternoons now are beginning to trickle in to the morning worship services on Sunday morning at the church. And that is a wonderful thing. When we visited that church on Sunday morning in March, just a, a month ago, we the, the sermon was preached in German, of course. It's a German church. But it was translated into five different languages that morning. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. So how do they do that? I mean, well, everybody got a little earpiece and... They put headsets on you and, and there's somebody live in the back of the room as the message is being preached. This person is translating that for us it was translated into English, thankfully, but it was <laughs> but it was translated into Arabic, into French, I think, into Farsi, because the the uh, Islamic peoples in 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 Iran and in Afghanistan speak Farsi, uh, so these people were hearing this this Bible message in their native tongue. In their native tongue, so. that's an amazing thing. It's you an know, thing. and that's. It's so positive to hear because, you know, we hear, you turn on the news, you see immigrants flooding Germany, and you see all the negativity of it. You don't, you know, you don't hear about the tea room where they're all hanging out and enjoying the company of the locals. You know, you see the animosity between the locals and the immigrants coming yeah. in. So yeah. I think that's, that's so so positive. You know, and, 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 and Phil, let me just say, one of the reasons it's so positive is because these people in this church see a larger purpose in those immigrants flooding in to Germany. They see that God is at work in this. And there's an opportunity for these people to meet Christian people on their own level, person to person, and to hear a message they haven't been able to hear, haven't been allowed to hear back in their native lands. The, the real message of the gospel of of the love of God in Jesus Christ, and they're hearing it, and they're experiencing that message for the very first time in their life. It's amazing. It, it is an amazing thing. Uh, they told us when we were there that three uh, married couples from Afghanistan have now come to Christ uh, through the ministry of that church, and they've been baptized in that church. One of the interesting things that we realized was happening was that uh, while we were there, we met three people from Egypt who were sent into Germany by, by the church in Egypt. Uh, Egypt is officially about 10% Coptic Christian. Okay. And so these missionaries had been sent by their local churches in Egypt to Germany to minister to Arabic-speaking peoples who were now flooding into Germany. They were missionaries from Egypt to Germany serving Christ there. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. We, we also met a young woman uh, from Iran who uh, was a believer, and she speaks Farsi. And she had come, she was helping this church minister to immigrants from Iran and from Afghanistan. And uh, the, church had, the church was so impressed with her that they've invited her on staff. They've created an apartment for her to live in the church building. Now, here's, here's a different take. <laughs> Phil, you and I are sitting here smiling. Uh, it's a different take on world missions, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It is. God is bringing people who need Christ, flooding them into Western Europe, and he's bringing missionaries to serve them and meet them in their native tongue. And I think the important part about that is not all the missionaries are American. Yeah. You know, far yeah. too often, you know, we think that, well, we gotta go and do it. 
other people, other people have the same calls that we have. Yeah. There's people from all over the world who do missionary stuff all over the world. Absolutely. You know, and, and so and and you're, think, you're right. It's thrilling to see other countries sending missionaries, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, I is. mean, because when you think about it, a lot of them didn't have, they don't have the background that we have yeah. or the, the time frame that we have been trying to send missionaries out, you know, and, and the ability. So I think that it's wonderful to see that stuff happening. Yeah. So. You know, one of the things we got in touch with was um, was how the violence in that's coming out of out of ISIS, for example, how that is how that's affecting the Muslim world today, uh, because we heard stories from Egypt how how in Egypt it's actually making Muslim people more open to the gospel because it's turning them off to Islam. It, 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 there are there are young people in Egypt today who are saying, if this violence is what Islam is all about, I want nothing to do with it. If this is who they think God is, I want nothing to do with that God. And they're now open to the God of love presented in the New Testament. We we learned this that you know since immigrants have been coming in uh, to Germany, of course, there's just a, a tiny fraction of those people have caused problems. There's been some incidents where Germans have been killed, some of them have been assaulted and so forth. But here's how that affects the, the innocent immigrants, those who are just looking for a better life. It makes them very afraid. It makes them very afraid of reprisals. And when there's a nationally broadcast incident, what happens on the weekend is those immigrants all stay home. They stay behind locked doors. Nobody comes to the tea room. None of them come to church because they're staying home and they're afraid now. They're afraid of reprisals. And it affects them so much that it actually impacts their health. Some of them become physically ill. They're so afraid. Some of them run fevers, we were told, because they're so much afraid of, what, of, 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 of a reprisal. So what that means is this. They hate the violence. Yeah. Those immigrant peoples hate the violence. And they don't want to be associated with it. And they certainly don't want to be, uh, receive revenge uh, directed at them because of it. And so what I see in that, Phil, and I, I hope our listeners will hear this, is that I think God is using this, this inordinate violence that we see across the world. I think he's using that to make people more open to the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. I think that's, yeah. what, that's what God is doing in the world today. Yeah, I think that's neat too. Um, I know that here in Des Moines, we have quite a population of Bosnians. And there's a lot of Bosnians that work in the stone business, tile business that I've, that I've done a lot of work with. And some of those guys kind of goes back to earlier, those relationship buildings. I've known them for a long time. And we can have this conversation about what's going on, you know, wh what's going on with ISIS? What's going on with the, the Islamic religion? And I get the same thing from them is that doesn't reflect me. That's not what I believe. You know, they are, they are misconstrued and misguided. That is not what we are. They don't want anything to do with that, do they? No, not at all. And, and you know, I, I think it's funny that I'll hear, well, nobody ever, nobody, no Muslims ever stand up and say, you know, that's, that's wrong. You know, well, maybe, do you know any? <laughs> you know what I mean? And because the ones that I know, they say it's wrong, yeah, you know, they, 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 they don't like it either. Yeah. And so I think that that's, God has an amazing way to work on hearts. And sometimes it isn't through the most positive manners. You know, he, he's got to build something and take something down and, and move things around so that we can be prepared for what needs to, to happen. And, you know, in my life, I know that I've been told no and broken down enough times that it's just so that I'm willing to accept whatever that next step is uh -huh. and, and willing to step through that door that God opens for me. And, you know, I, I know that I hope that that has something to do with what's going on because, you know, the, the violence and the senselessness that happens is, I hope that God can use it somehow. I know it, I know. Well, I have to believe that God is big enough that he can take things that are never his will. I mean, killing, murder is never the will of God. That, that violence, one person against another, is never the will of God. 
But God is so big that he can take those things up and he can actually turn them and use them for his glory and for our good when we love him. I believe the Bible promises us that. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that's amazing. Just yeah. everything that happens. Yeah, so, it, really, it really is. Um, okay, so, so you're over there, you're experiencing all that, you come back and get back into normal life. We, we spoke earlier about your radio program. Right. Um, how long have you been doing that for? You've been doing it far longer than I've been doing this because I see the stack of, the stack of archived <laughs> CDs that you guys have. And, oh, it's a and big it's stack. Thick. It's thick. <laughs> it's thick. We've been doing this a little over two years. Okay. Now. And every, every Saturday we're on uh, for two years. And, and it's been good. We're, we're trying to put the work of God around the world. That's why we use that title, What in the World is God Doing? And we're trying to help people think beyond our little boxes here. We all have, I have my little box here, we all do, to think about what God is doing around the world and to, you know, to open our hearts and minds to be involved in that. So now, well. do you do quite a few interviews while you're over in Europe? I, I mean, do. do you get to talk to those missionaries? Do you get to, mm -hmm, I mean, I that's, a, that's a whole new experience. And I would love, that's one direction I would love to be able to take this show is to go and talk with people who are in the field mm -hmm. and get, I mean, there's some crazy stories that people have while they're out preaching the word, good, oh, bad, and different, you know, yeah. I mean, just- All of the above. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so I think that that's, that's kind of a neat mm -hmm. angle to take. That's and then you don't do it by yourself, right? You have a co-host or yeah, somebody uh -huh, else that we you- we do. There's two of us who do it. His name is Doc Sokol and he's a surgeon. And the, the program really was his idea. I have to give him credit for that. And so he'll have a, either a medical moment or a book report or both sometimes. And sometimes he'll do interviews too. So but, uh, yeah. that's kind of neat. And so have you guys known each other for yeah, quite probably, a while? Probably eight or 10 years we've okay. been good friends. Okay, so that's, yeah. that's quite a while. Yeah. And then uh, your show runs like 30 minutes? 30 minutes, okay. uh -huh. 11 to 11.30, Saturday mornings <laughs> on, on Praise Radio 940 right here in Des Moines, Iowa. 9.40 a.m. 9.40 a.m. Yeah. right here in Des Moines. So, well, no, that's, that's amazing, man. So um, is there anything, I mean, what can, if people are inspired, if people want to get involved with different missionary groups, if somebody says, hey, I want to take a trip to Romania and experience it, oh, wow. what can they do? I mean, well, here's what they could do. They could uh, get a hold of the mission organization that I serve. It's called International Messengers. And, and the, web, the web address is real simple. It's just internationalmessengers.org. And send them an email and tell them you're interested in summer missions. And if you'll provide your name and your phone number, they will get back to you about that. And and so if somebody says, "Hey, I want to do this, and I think I could get some people from my church together," they can they can get them set up with enough stuff that oh, absolutely, you can you can take your group with you. Yeah, we've been doing this for years, and and they're well equipped. They're well organized to provide the materials that any group would need. Perfect. to do this yeah yeah so, well i think that that's a, a fantastic place that we can probably get this thing get this thing wrapped up is there anything that you'd like to share with people we didn't cover before let me just say this one thing, thing. Yeah. this has been a little bit you know I, I came to christ i was i was raised in the church my parents took me to church every day of my life by the time i was a senior in high school i just had a lot of questions and it just wasn't quite fallen into place for me. It just wasn't understanding it. And, and uh, so I kind of stopped going my senior year of high school. And, uh, and it was then I met some kids from my high school. I went to Lincoln High School, south side of Des Moines. And I, I met some kids who helped me understand this, that it isn't just about going to church. It's not about religion, that it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the part I had missed before. And they helped me understand this. And this truth changed my life. The truth was this. God loves me. So simple. Yeah. And I want to say that to everyone who's listening to this, to this podcast. God loves you. He cares deeply about you so much that if you had been the only person on planet Earth, he would have sent Jesus to die just for you so that your sins could be forgiven so that you can know God in a personal way. That truth 
that I heard in my senior year of high school that God loves me changed my life. I've never been the same since then. And, and it, it has put me on a path of serving him now for the rest of my life. You know, I think that that's something that took a little while for me to sink in with. And I think that, at least in my case, when we read the Bible and we're told we're loved, right? We're told that, you know, there's this undying love for us. We think about this, uh, I grew up and I was loved, right? But the way that it is explained and the way people tell you that you're loved didn't compute with what I knew love was. You know what I mean? And the, the closest thing that I can think now is, now that I have kids, it's different. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I'm gonna yell at him and I'm gonna be, a, you know, a, a tough dad, I love those kids. I would never want to see anything happen. If something happened to one of my kids, I, I have friends whose kids are sick and ill. I could not imagine going through the pain of that, you know, just because that love is so deep. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that I was loved that much, but in my mind and in my, for whatever it was in me, I couldn't relate the two. You know, and then I know one of the other, one of the other things is that I struggled with. It was kind of along the same lines. Was you know, God is your father. You know, we think uh, growing up in the in America, divorce rate is so high. Everything is. My dad was gone for quite a while, and while he's your father, he's a, he's the best father. Well, what does that mean if you if you don't have that to compare it to, and I, that was something that, you know, your father loves you. And in my mind, I couldn't put the two together just to that extent of what love and a father's love could be and what that sacrifice would be. And I think that those, once, once I could make connection with those things, it just clicked. Okay, super. Yeah. Praise God for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. amen. All right, well, should we shut this thing down and I think so. call it a day? All Phil, right. Phil, thank you. Appreciate hey, the opportunity to be with you no on the problem. program today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and sit with us and share your story. Happy so. to. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Remember, you can always stay in touch with us. Come to our Facebook page at God Watch Live and check out, see what's going on. If you have prayer requests, something like that, go ahead and send them over. We'd love to hear from you. Anything that we can do to help make the show better, you know, it, it's better for everybody. Stay in touch with us on our website, GodWatchLive.com, and now on our Twitter, at GodWatchLive. Have a great week, and be blessed.